Richardson. Stopped by Platt. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Hello everyone and welcome back to That Sums It All Up. I hope everyone is keeping themselves well, embracing autumn's arrival and readying themselves to the intensive fixed list that's coming up. All of us here on the podcast, Johnny and I, have no doubt been basking in Arsenal's 3-1 victory over Tottenham at the weekend. We've now had time to mull it over, so let's dive into it. Johnny, how are we? I'm good. I'm very hungry, actually, is how I am. For those ah. listeners who don't know, today's Yom Kippur when we're recording, and uh, and as a member of the Jewish faith, I am I'm abiding by the religious rules, and, and I'm not eating for it's 25 hours in total, so I can eat again at six, 16 minutes past uh, 7 p.m. tonight, and I've not eaten since just gone 6 p.m. yesterday, so Blimey. I'm pretty hungry. Uh, and thirsty because you don't drink water either. But other than that, I'm uh, I'm good. I'm still sort of living off of Saturday's just incredible victory. I'm I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game. Planning probably to go to that. And um and yeah, I know Arteta's presser is. I think it's going on now. If not, it's about to start. So I'm sure we'll get some updates from him. I saw Zinchenko. Uh, precautionary absent from training earlier so hopefully there's nothing more to that and he's just being rested ahead of Saturday was obviously unlikely to play anyway tomorrow but yeah I'm all good how are you how did you enjoy Saturday I enjoyed it very very much uh yeah so I I'm, I'm currently in Suffolk and so you know, there's not not kind of the Emirates atmosphere that perhaps you experience, but I tell you what, my living room was going going all sorts of wild, <laughs> celebrating all those goals. It really was um, very very enjoyable. But I'm well, um, as uh, as you said, just have been enjoying the kind of the fallout from the game, and it just put a really positive spin on the weekend and gives us uh, some some good feelings going into the Europa League tomorrow and then also the big crunch game on Sunday against Liverpool. But before we get into that and casting our eyes over the North London derby, digesting it, dissecting it, just wanted to touch on a few other things from the weekend's, the weekend's football because, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting to see how everyone else is doing and and stuff like that. I mean, the, the probably the, the biggest talking point was uh, the Manchester derby, which was on Sunday mm. lunchtime, which I, I caught most of. Uh, Manchester City 6, Manchester United 3. I think the scoreline flattered Manchester United, to be honest. Uh, City absolutely battered them. Um, and it was quite terrifying at times how excellent they were. And I find it quite difficult. I mean, you know, they, they play such good football sometimes. I mean, most of the time. And now they've got Haaland banging in the goals uh, uh, like an un, 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 inconceivable rate. But at the same time, it sort of doesn't sit so easy with me just because you're just like, well, it's like they're just so good. But how can you even g- compete with, with that sort of level of of excellence and consistency um 
but look, they, they put United to the sword and I think that's always uh, uh, an enjoyable thing for Arsenal fans. Did you manage to catch much of the game? Yeah, yeah, I watched the I watched the the Manchester derby. Was obviously very pleased with the with the result, despite the fact that you know there's ludicrous talk about us sort of potentially challenging for the title, which I'm not getting behind at all, especially at this stage of the season. Um, I'm more more pleased just to see United drop points. I think they were getting on a bit of a run. They obviously beat us, and so it was good just to see just to have them put back in their place a bit. And, um, you know, also Haaland was my fantasy captain, so I'm not going to complain when he scores a hat-trick and has two assists. But I think he was basically everyone who plays the game um, last week. So didn't do me too and, well, but it was and, more damage limitations. And for your, your draft fantasy league, which we were up against each other, and you had uh, a certain Mr. Phil Foden in your team. I uh, did. Which was I rather did. devastating for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Foden, forgot about that. But yes, yes I, I did have Foden as well, so he, he did, did well. He did do well. Um, but yeah, it it was, you know, United got some late goals back. I mean, Anthony Martial came on, grabbed a brace. Anthony scored a bit of a screamer, to be fair. But I think it was a case of City sort of taking taking the foot off the gas a bit and getting a bit sloppy. I mean, they did still concede three goals. And normally you say mm. if you're going to City and you're scoring three, then you're probably going to do quite well. But you know, clearly City are prone to conceding a few goals. They conceded three against Newcastle, uh, three against United. I think, you know, that is maybe uh, a, a tiny slither of encouragement to see them sort of leaky at the back. But yeah, it was um, it was sort of quite astounding. But And also, you know, not that unpredictable. I mean, mm. I think people were sort of... <laughs> It was inevitable that Haaland was going to get a goal or three. De Bruyne as well. I mean, the De Bruyne and Haaland link up is just it is something something different. It, it is unfair to see those two combining so well, and you know Foden getting in on the act. Grealish was looking good. Um, so yeah, City doing very well, but they're still not top of the league. So unlucky to Manchester City. Moving on to another excellent game which is the day before which is the Liverpool game they ended up drawing 3-3 with Brighton um I mean Brighton probably deserved to win the game overall I think Liverpool were 2-0 down Leonardo Trossard got a hat-trick in the end and Roberto De Zerbi's first game I mean what what's going on with Liverpool at the moment I mean we've got them at the weekend they they have I really thought they're going to start this season well after mm-hmm. you know the community shield and I thought that They'd uh, they'd managed to cover Mane leaving with with Nunez and and Luis Diaz integrated well, but they have really been a, a shadow of the side that we've come to know over the last sort of five years. I mean, what what what, what do you think is going on for them? And, and did you see much of that against the uh, against Brighton on Saturday? Well, so I I missed obviously it wasn't on live TV the Brighton game, so I I didn't watch it. I've seen the goals and the highlights, and um. And I think in general, I watched a bit of the Liverpool game yesterday, which was a pretty easy game for them. Obviously, Trent scoring and then Salah scoring, both from set pieces. But for me, I think it's more defensively is their issue. I still think going forward, they're a very, very dangerous team. I mean, they put nine past Bournemouth. They've put, mm. they scored three. They've come back from being behind multiple times this season. So they've got the ability to get in behind to score goals. Salah, Firmino looks 
you know, a lot better than he did last season. They've got Jota, Luis Diaz has settled in incredibly well. Nunez maybe not settled in as well as you'd like with that early red card, but he's incredibly talented. Fabio Carvalho is another one, Harvey Elliott. They've got really good depth uh, in that sort of attacking midfield and forward line. I think defensively is their issue. They they were unbelievably solid at the back. Andy Robertson obviously has been out injured for the last few games, but even before that, he didn't look like the defender um, or the left back he'd previously looked like. He'd been subbed off in every Premier League game mm. so far this season. Was then was he he was dropped for the Everton game, the Merseyside derby, which which was nil nil, and, and Simicast started that, and um, and now is out with an injury. Or was it a trend that was dropped? One of them was dropped. No, I think I think uh, Alexander I think Arnold. He, he's been he's been subbed. They've both been subbed early, but yeah, They've Robertson was, was was left on the bench. Whether it was because of a combination probably of form and fitness, fitness, um, and then he obviously got the injury. But yeah, they they defensively. I mean, Allison, I still think he makes a lot of saves and he's still pretty pretty um, impressive uh, in goal. But you know, mm. Virgil Van Dijk has been. Not he's not looked the same kind of dominant um, presence that we that we've seen over the last five years or so. Not um, at all. Not at all. He he's prone to to errors. He he's been a bit clumsy. He's been leaving legs out, taking people down for penalties. People are taking him on, and then they've obviously had injuries in that right centre back slot with uh, Ibrahima Kanate and Joel Matip, who's now just coming back. Joe Gomez mm. played a bit, but. A lot of kind of inconsistency there. And then obviously a lot of teams, which I hope we'll do on Sunday as well, will target their right-hand side because um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, as good as he is going forward, are is a bit prone to an error or a lapse of concentration down that right-hand side. And so I think, you know, they, they definitely do not look as solid at the back. And I think also maybe as good as they have been going forwards, I think they still look a bit more, uh, a bit less, um, what's the word? A bit less efficient and and ruthless up top. I think they're adjusting without Sadio Mane, who I think was obviously such a big, big figure for them. And they have scored goals, but I think they're, they're, they're not, they're just not hitting the heights that they have been over the last few years and they've had injuries in midfield and stuff. So they, they've had a lot to contend with, but I think, as you said, they're not really kind of the same team at the moment that they have been uh, over the last few years. And, and hopefully that will continue, but we always struggle big time against them. I, I feel like they, they really, I mean, not even a bogey team. They've just been better than us for so long now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so moving on from Liverpool, Chelsea got their first win in uh, Graham Potter's reign. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang got his first goal. It was a lovely goal. Sort of quite similar to one that we've seen him score for Arsenal, I think. He's sort yeah. of very, very cleverly letting the ball run over his body and then and sort of finishing with the other foot into the bottom-hand corner. Uh, and then they got a late winner, unfortunately, which uh, which was a shame. And then, um, yeah, Wolves uh, lost 2-0. Dismal starts of the season. Bruno Large sacked. Um, there could be another sacking coming soon. Nottingham Forest were thumped 4-0 by Leicester. I think Steve Cooper's really under the cosh. I mean, what do you make of those, the the, the Wolves sacking and the imminent sacking, perhaps, of, of Steve Cooper at Forest? Yeah, I think, well, I think the Bruno Large's sacking was, was on the cards 
to be completely honest. He's been dealt a very tough hand, Raul Jimenez picking up a serious injury, not for the first time in his career. They signed Nisasa Kalajic to replace him, also for substantial money, given the fact that he wasn't a Jorge Mendes client either. You know, it's, a, it's not part of that relationship. Spent about 20 million on him, does his ACL within an hour of his yeah. debut. And then they've got to go into the free agency market to get a central striker. They've picked up Diego Costa. We'll see how he does. He's obviously got a he, he looks all right. Good. He, yeah. he looked all right when he came on against West Ham. <laughs> I, I, and he will do. But I just think there's bigger issues there. I, I think, you know, what they've done is letting some of their defensive players go. Connor Cody is the obvious one. But Roman Saiz left on a free as well. Leandro Dendonka went to Villa on deadline day. Willie Barley went to Nottingham Forest. You know, they've let a core group of, of experienced Premier League players leave. They've not necessarily replaced them that well. Yes, they, they have, they've started poorly, and Bruno Large's management is definitely, play, well, has definitely played a part in that. But I think they, um, there's bad squad management there, and it will be interesting because it's likely that the, the manager that comes in to replace him will be sort of linked to Jorge Mendes again or you know, Portuguese or from the Portuguese league. I mean, Ruben Amarim, really talented coach, managing Sporting Lisbon at the moment, is being highly touted with that job. Whether he'd take it or not, because they're doing well in the Champions League, who knows? But that that sort of calibre of manager, in theory, should do very well. It'd be interesting. And like with Nottingham Forest, I think Steve Cooper is being given, from what I've heard, the weekend's game so he's got one more game in charge and maybe if there's a positive result Mm -hmm. he gets given sort of a stay of execution but Rafa Benitez is obviously being linked very heavily with that that vacancy should it should it come onto the market and and that makes sense I think again when you sign 23 players in a summer what, what do you expect it's 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 very very difficult to sort of incorporate such large recruitment into a squad and make sure everyone's getting good game time and happy. I mean, they signed Emmanuel Dennis from Watford for about 25 million. I don't think he started a game for them yet because they signed two or three other strikers for similar or slightly less money. Morgan Gibbs-White came in for astronomical money for Mm. the player he is. I mean, you're talking, I think they spent basically what we spent on Gabriel Jesus for him. So it's nuts. And they've also continued to sign players in the free agency market, picking up Serge Aurier. So they're just non-stop signing and that never works we saw it with Fulham a few years ago it went catastrophically bad for them and uh and I think I think sadly whether Steve Cooper stays or goes the writing is it was was on the wall from deadline day with their transfer window and 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 I see them going down yeah I mean it's it's an impossible job really and I think Steve Cooper summed it up quite well in his post-match interview uh, against Leicester he just said you know we're, we're not a team and it's just like, how are you how are you trying to contend with, you know, promotion to the Premier League and bedding in 23 players and not sort of young, unknown kind of up and coming players. You know, these are senior established players who played in the Premier League, played at bigger clubs than Forest on big money, probably, and and uh, not probably the easiest <laughs> group of players to manage. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think that's a, a very difficult job and it'll be interesting to see how that that develops um right let's get into into the big one then the one that we all 
care about. Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1. Um, you were there. You enjoyed yourself eventually because you were, you were pretty nervous at the beginning. Talk to me about your match day experience going into the game, what the, what the atmosphere was like, whether you, you heard people's conversations, whether people were feeling mm. confident, um, and, then, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was, I mean, I personally was quite nervous, as we also sort of discussed on the pre-match pod, and I, I also sent you a message at halftime, I think, saying, <laughs> I, I hate this game at 1-1. <laughs> um, but um, pre-match, pre-match felt very good, very positive in general around the stadium. I think, you know, it was an early kickoff, so always a bit awkward because people have to get up and leave for to get to the Emirates that bit earlier than a three o'clock or, or an evening kickoff. And there were also rail strikes um, on Saturday. So it actually meant that the stadium was was pretty empty until, you know, just coming on to kickoff. There wasn't that sort of massive buzz pre-game or singing pre-game. Everyone was sort of joyous and, and optimistic for the result. But I remember looking around with uh, with sort of 15 minutes to go before kickoff and there were, you know, a lot of empty seats, a lot of empty seats, and it really took its time to fill up. And and by kickoff, it was full, but it was a it was a slow sort of filtration of fans into the stadium, which might have meant that up until I think North London Forever was was played, it was it was very sort of not mundane or or, or quiet, but just sort of slightly subdued the atmosphere. Um, we obviously then kicked off and, and and that changed very quickly because you could see from our start how intense the team were playing, how dominant we were, uh, the areas of the pitch we were occupying, the amount of possession we were having, the chances we were creating. We um we, we, we could all see that we were going to be the dominant team in the game as expected and so the fans got behind the team very quickly and there wasn't that nervousness in, in the atmosphere that there sometimes has been. But in general, I thought it was an incredible um, experience from an atmospheric perspective. And when you know Party scored and Shaka scored and Shishu scored, the the celebrations were were massive. And actually, at full time, because I think we'd all sort of been like, well, the wind's in the bag here. Once Shaka scored and we were three one up, the the full time celebrations weren't as chaotic as they may have been if it was sort of grinding out a 2-1 win and it got nervy at the end which is but what the, we're used to exactly it's exactly what we're used to and and as it was sort of last season mm. um against Spurs when we won 3-1 but in different circumstances because we obviously went 3-0 up they then pulled one back Ramsdale then made a very very good save to prevent it going from 3-2 and so there was sort of everyone was a bit more apprehensive whereas uh on Saturday there wasn't that and actually the biggest celebrations came uh, definitely for, for Gabriel Jesus and Thomas Partey's goal and then also Xhaka's nod at the full-time whistle. I mean, mm. but 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 having said that, it was lovely to be in the stadium and seeing everyone just be on the same side as they have been for for the season. I mean, what what was it like watching on TV? What was, what was the punditry like? Um, punditry, good question. I'm, I'm, try, I'm struggling to remember it now. Uh, it was, they had Martin Keown and Jermaine Genus. Um, mm. which, you know, not not the best, but it was fine. Uh, Jermaine Genus was was quite critical of Spurs, which was quite nice. Um, mm. But yeah, the atmosphere, you know, even through the TV, cranked up as loud as it could go. It's, it, it sounded amazing, as I'm sure it would have been. 
and uh you know i could sense the energy and even when even when uh when when kane scored that penalty you know there wasn't that sort of silence in the ground there wasn't that 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 hush that nervous hush that we're used to sort of falling over everyone it actually got louder after he scored because everyone was like yeah. oh come on like we're not doing this whole kane scores a penalty and then they get back into it and and you know everyone was so up for it and and so convinced that we were the better team and that we would win the game and i think that was testament again to what we were saying last week about the connection between the fans and the players and, and the atmosphere and and just all the sort of positive energy that's going on in the club at the moment but you mentioned uh thomas Partey scoring um to make it one nil at that point i think we yeah we'd been dominating we'd had a few chances but you know we were sort of waiting for an opening and then and then uh, i think you know it came about from really spurs sitting so deep inside their own penalty box mm. really and uh, I, I was noticing actually throughout the first half, I was sort of making a few notes and and that inside ball to Ben White was always on because Son would come back and sort of double up with Saka, double up with um, Perisic to defend against Saka and then White would sort of step inside and then he rolled it across to Thomas Partey who just finally, I know he scored a couple of goals, but he hasn't scored one of those and we've been waiting for it because he's tried so many times and it just nestled into the top right-hand corner. It was a lovely goal. Um really really great strike and um you know that was that was a great moment unfortunately then it went into <laughs> uh, spurs started to to sort of uh, i thought they were they actually looked quite dangerous for sort of the middle mm. part of the first half mm. i think they were they were they were turning us over very very well and you know i think if dejan kulisevsky was playing i think it may be would have been a different story because mm. I think he he thrives in those sort of uh carrying the ball positions and and making that that quality final pass anyway you know as it transpired they still got a goal because Son broke from I think it was about the edge of their own penalty box it, then, yeah it was Saka who was dispossessed yeah. and then and then Son broke yeah, and Thomas Partey couldn't bring him down. And I, mm. I watched the bench cam video yesterday, and Arteta was fuming at Saka, I think, for giving it away on the edge of the box because he obviously knew the danger that is is posed by them on the break. But you know, we we kind of get it clear, and and Son overhits his pass, but then don't get it clear, and then Xhaka hesitates, and then Gabriel sort of rush of blood to the head takes Richarlison down, penalty, and then obviously Harry Kane's going to score a penalty against Arsenal. Um, I mean, I think. Uh, I read that apparently Granite Xhaka took responsibility for the for the goal in the dressing room at halftime. Mm, apparently yeah. apologised for it, even though it was it was Gabriel's sort of error. I guess that kind of moment of indecision is just so uh, you know that can happen in a derby game. And and for a minute it did seem like the game was maybe swinging because we we took a good few minutes to sort of steady ourselves, um, but it went into halftime it was one all um I think Jesus had a lovely little run just before the end of the half mm-hmm. that looks like it could have been a beautiful goal um and then yeah was there anything else before we get into the second half that that you'd noticed or or sort of wanted to, to pick up on no yeah no I was just agreeing with what you were saying your sort of summary of of that that first half I think yeah I was. I think it was Thomas Partey's 57th shot for Arsenal outside the area. <laughs> 57th time lucky, but 
very pleased for for him to score one of those. We we've seen him sort of do it on highlight reels for Atletico and for Ghana. So finally now to actually have one of our own to put into those reels is is nice. And yeah, I think on the on the goal on their goal it was very it was very strange because they broke and Son actually overhits the pass to Richarlison and it goes wide mm. and Ramsdale's very quick off his line and very proactive and forces Richarlison wide and then Saliba heads out the cross and then as you say it comes to Jack who miscontrols it and then Gabriel dives in and brings down um brings down Richardson I think it was mm. and it's a clear penalty I didn't I couldn't see it clearly in the stadium but obviously I've watched the replays and I texted you and you said it was a clear penalty and it, and, and it clearly was and it's it's just something and I, I really am a big fan of him but he does need to just sometimes he can be a bit rash Gabriel yeah. And it's a few times this season with the Mitrovic goal, with giving away this penalty. Mm. Last season when we beat Wolves at home, it was his error that um that led to them going one 0 up. His red was card against City. Red card against City. Similar red card also against Southampton during yeah. the COVID season. Yeah. And and look, he's an incredibly young centre back, and if he's still making these mistakes in three seasons, then maybe it's something to consider. But you know, for the qualities he brings. There's nothing. I'm not suggesting in any way that I would drop him or or anything because I think he's a fantastic centre back. He's very very difficult to play against. He's very dominant in the air. He's a threat also from uh, from offensive set pieces. But um, but it's just yeah, just a few a few of these sort of rash decisions. Yeah, but it's definitely I think something that Arsenal fans are picking up on, especially when we have the kind of options to play around with that back line. Mm. When you know you've got the likes, of, you could play Ben White and and Saliba as a, as a pair, or you could play Takiro Tomiyasu at left centre back. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think Gabriel, he's still quite young for his, his sort of age. I mean, especially when you compare him to uh, William Saliba next to him, who mm. who looks very you know, calmness personified. Having said that, you know, he he made a mistake in the Leicester game, scored the own goal. But um, yeah, I think Gabriel is a bit rash, but I think that's sort of what comes with his front-footed approach and his kind of aggressive style of play. I think, you know, we, we, we've we've seen centre-backs down the years. I mean, I think Laurent Koscielny was sort of a bit like that for Arsenal as well. I know they're mm. not completely the same, but, you know, he, he was that kind of front-footed defender. And, and I think, yeah, the key thing for me for, with Gabriel is that sometimes when he makes those mistakes, then his head, you can just see straight away that in mm. the next se- sequences of play, sometimes if he doesn't get punished for it, then, you know, he keeps making mistakes. And I think he needs to learn that if he's going to sort of make a mistake, that that's part of his game and he just needs to switch on straight away. Because I think, you know, that we have seen a few times that 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 we've been punished uh, for his sort of inability to respond to to making a mistake and sort of pulling it together but yeah as you say I think he he brings so much to our game physically but also you know from a ball progression point of view on the left hand side he he's really good at bringing it forward he makes the kind of uh, risky passes I think he's actually his quality on the ball is underrated um mm. and he's obviously a left left-footed centre-back which I think you know we know that Arteta loves um but yeah Early in the second half, then we started well, and then Bakaya Saka cut in from the right hand side, saved by Lloris, who then makes a hash of it. Who I I feel like he he tends to make a few uh few hiccups against Arsenal over the years, 
Um, and then Gabriel Jesus sort of pounced it and, and prodded it in from, from close range. And that sort of eased the pressure and the expectation and the and the sort of mm. tension that maybe perhaps could have been building if we hadn't have got an early goal. And I just think that sort of goal is, I mean, to be fair, a lot of people saying we don't score that goal last season and maybe for large parts of it we don't. But you can imagine sort of Eddie and Kessie getting that goal. Um, you definitely mm-hmm. can't imagine. <laughs> Alex I don't think Lacazette scores. No, so. no, no, no chance. And and probably not Aubameyang either. But yeah. um, it was a, I mean, it wasn't a great goal, but it was, it was great the way that he sort of um, followed, followed the ball and and capitalised on on the error. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, before we get on to the second goal, I would just mention the half-time atmosphere at the Emirates mm. was very different to the pre-game atmosphere. Oh, really? And you, I mean, you mentioned Gabriel Jesus had that. He went on a, a very nice run. Be I think it'd be Emerson and Romero, and then his shot sort of just bounced off of Lloris. But other than that, it felt like it might not have been the case, but it definitely felt like we sort of came into half time slightly on the back foot, having yeah. sort of been pegged back to one one. And, you know, I think my my nervousness was reflected in all of the fans around me. My mm. dad who I go to the games with, my cousins, my uncle who we go to the game with, they were all there. We all sort of said at half time, well this is very tight. It's very nervous. I mm. think I was very imp- I was impressed actually by the way Spurs defended because while it's not as nice to watch and it's not as pretty football as what we play, you could just see how disciplined Conte has made this team. I mean, they were defending well, with with, with a back six. I mean, in the first half, in the yeah, first yeah, half, yeah, it yeah. was like they just didn't want the ball and to get players like Kane and Son, Bentonker, who's a, you know been at Juventus, is a, is an established footballer. To get these players to buy into that style of play. Mm. Um, Perisic as well. They they just didn't care. I mean, every time, as you mentioned, Saka was on the ball. Son was was like an auxiliary fullback doubling you, up. Yeah, he was doing that. But you know, having listened to a few other podcasts this week, and you know, obviously with an Arsenal uh, <laughs> Arsenal bias in all of them. Mm. But you know, do you think Hyungman Son wants to be doing that? Do you think that you know those attacking players want to be sitting deep, not getting the ball? And then every time they break forward, yes, it's the transition game. But, mm. you know, when, when Son's not completely on it, as he hasn't been largely this season, and he he misplaces a pass because, and then it's so much more acute because he doesn't have so many of those chances because they're just soaking up pressure the whole time. I don't know. I, I agree with you that that it's it, it's a disciplined approach and, and they can be very hard to break down. But I just think, you know, Son doesn't want to be back in his own six-yard box defending against Saka. He wants to be, you know sort of in in the attacking third um you know latching on to 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 things and stuff like that but i don't know i i think um as you say they they were well drilled and and you could see that their game plan whilst not aesthetically pleasing was mm. you know quite effective and you know a, a, a pass a few centimeters further to the left or right at certain points would have resulted in more dangerous situations um uh, developing but as it was it wasn't to be um but yeah it's it sort of after that after the um the jesus goal i can't really remember sort of how long that uh, there wasn't much time at all between that and then the emerson royale sending off i don't think it was about i think it was about 12 13 minutes but yeah. i mean that that jesus goal was i mean scoring that quickly in to the second half was absolutely critical because i think 
the, the, the second half started similar to the first half. And while Tottenham did end the half well, they didn't come out in, in the second half and look to attack us and look to sort of dominate and give for the win. I think they would have been very happy sort of grinding out 1-1 until 75 minutes. And mm-hmm. then the further we come out, the further they can come out and then they tried to break. So scoring you know, three, four minutes into the second half was, I think it just relaxed everyone in the mm. stadium, on the pitch. Everyone just took a deep breath. We were back in control. And um, I'm very pleased for Gabriel Jesus. He sort of, he sort of lapped up the celebration there and stood arms out in front of the uh, the Arsenal fans after after we went 2-1 up. There was a bit but of then, a Thierry Henry knee slide as well in there that was sort of coming yeah. up. Yeah. And an Omri come Aubameyang come Jesus North yeah. London derby celebration, yeah. which is which I'm all here for. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm there for it. I think it was great. But yeah, the red card then just after 60 minutes, I, I that at least for me, I don't know what it was like watching it on TV, but in the stadium caught everyone by surprise. Yeah, it, it caught me by surprise as well. I mean, it caught the commentators by surprise as well because I think they were showing the replay and then. Um, you know, he'd already been sent off. So I think it was definitely, definitely not something that, that was easy to pick up on straight away. But then obviously watching it back, you you kind of look at the, at the sort of challenge that it was and, you know, VAR in place these days and, uh, you know, all of that kind of jazz, it, it was hard not to look at it as anything other than a red card. Um, I mean, yeah. So I think some people say that it changed the game. I th- I'm sure, I mean, it did in, in a certain way because Spurs went down to 10 men. But, and I think Conte was already preparing a few changes, I think, before the red card. But, you know, we scored pretty much straight after that or very soon after that again to, to sort of just not give them a chance to, to, to sort of, um, you know, come back on anything like we did in the at the start of the second half we scored so early we, we really you know hit them hit them quite brutally in a way that maybe they would have liked to hit us sort of at, at inconvenient moments albeit we were dominating the game I mean 3-1 then Granite Xhaka I mean it was a lovely sort of run from Thomas Partey uh, Martinelli did well stepping inside and then Xhaka I mean he had a lot of time on the ball but then he just you know sort of planted it uh past Lloris into the bottom right hand corner it was a really good finish really sort of mm. disciplined finish and um really composed too and and it was a lovely moment again for him to celebrate in a North London derby and um yeah what did you make of the goal yeah brilliant I mean just to, again scoring that quickly after the red card just killed off all hope for them I think there was one point where Conte actually had five subs all lined up at one point, ready to mm. come on. I think he would have been the first or second manager to do that in Premier League history. So he clearly wasn't happy. And and above all, was really, really pleased for Granit Xhaka. We've all been saying, you know, I, th- I think the, the talk about his new role peaked in the build-up to this game. So for him to actually see that through and, and continue to flourish in that new sort of left-eight role and actually score... Um, was was really really pleasing and we could all hear I'm sure you could as well hear the, the sort of the reception he was getting not only after he scored but also at full full time the DJ and the Emirates played sort of his song uh, and everyone sang along 
which which is nice for him. He was given, I think, man of the match by BT Sport, which can't think of many times he's been voted our man of the match. And, you know, look, no, I'm not going to say he didn't put a foot wrong because we've already discussed that he did actually put a foot wrong, which led to uh, or contributed mm. to their penalty. But the way that now we're not really focusing on that, we, we can talk, I'll spend much longer talking about all the positives he's brought to his game and bringing mm. to our, our starting eleven so far this season compared to the odd mistake here or there. It's it's what we've always wanted from him. You know, no one no one wanted him to fail as an Arsenal player when when he was signed. However, the the negatives were just constantly outweighing the the positives of what he brought. And now he's not gotten rid of those negatives, but all of a sudden they're one to ten positives rather than vice versa. And and you know that makes any fan base much more accepting of of a fault here or there when you're scoring goals against Tottenham or against Man United like you did towards the end of last season or you know pinpoint assists like for Gabriel Jesus's header and just generally dictating play and for you know I, I feel very secure when he's in possession because you think well he's going to make the right decision 99 times out of 100 and we're going to sort of progress from from him so. That was really, really positive, and I was really, really pleased to see him, um, him score and, and be so well received. Yeah, definitely. And I think you you picked up on a good point there. The fact is, he made that mistake uh, for the for the Tottenham penalty. But you know, where was he at that point? He was, you know, in our in our penalty box. That is not mm-hmm. where you want Granite Xhaka. And he was also, you know, deep back on the left-hand side because they were obviously countering us in a transition. But that's not where you want him. You don't want him running back. You, and and I think for so long, because Arsenal have been such a vulnerable side, that's maybe where he's he's been positioned because of, you know, managers' instructions or whatever. But these days, because we're so much more front-footed, he's much higher up the pitch. And so those sort of errors don't happen as much. That's where you want him. You want him high up the pitch. You don't want him further back in the defensive third, you know, chasing the ball, having a chance to make a mistake. And I think, you know, credit to him and Mikel Arteta for, for changing mm. his, his game and, and tactical instruction. I mean, after that, Conte basically took off Richarlison and, and Son uh, quite soon after that, basically conceding the game. I sort of wanted us to, 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 to batter them furthermore, but... You know, it was probably prudent to take off Thomas Partey and bring on Albert Sabrina Conga. Uh, mm. We've got Zinchenko off as well, but on Kieran Tierney. Also keeping these guys in the mix for a, for a busy October. And I thought this, the game sort of petered out a bit. I mean, Eddie Nketi came on, Tommy Asu came on. Uh, I think there were just force. Oh, Fabio Vieira as well, of course. Yeah. So it was good to see all those guys come on and I'm sure we'll see more of them in the Europa League. I mean... Let's look. Let's look at the some of the main takeaways then for from the game. I thought William Saliba was was immense. Yes, uh, he yes. was exceptional defensively. I thought his composure on the ball in our box and their box was 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 brilliant. I thought he his pace, his reading of the game, his his everything in this game was was really really encouraging as it has been all season. But to sort of do that in a North London derby when he was going to be tested, you know, he, he, he had a tough game against Manchester United in a similar sort of setup mm. where they were looking to hit on the counter. And um, he, I thought he dealt really well with, with everything. I thought he was cleaning up everything, everything that came his way. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, another monumental performance from him. 
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. He's um, well, he's just an unbelievable defender and footballer. I mean, the, I think it was twice he almost or did did dribble out of our box, sort of through one or two Spurs players that were trying to close him down, and it was very nervy, and you wanted to just almost see him just smack at 50 yards, but yeah. you know that's not, not how Arteta... It's not his game, it's not how Arteta wants him to play, and even at 21, yeah, he's got the confidence to sort of dribble past Son, and, and that nutmeg at the end, I think, oh. of a skip was just... You know what? On the cake. I, had, I had to watch that, like, a good four or five times, because... Every time I watched it, it looked to me as if he didn't really mean it. And then I mm. saw the angle and he most definitely did mean it. And yeah. it, was, it was brilliant. Um, and, you know, even in that sequence of play, he was trying to play a night, like a one-two give and go with Nketia. And then there was the nutmeg, of course. So I think he's just, you know, he's he's brimming with confidence at the moment. And so should be his performances uh, merit that. I thought also Ben White at right back was, was fantastic on the day, mm. as he has been, I think, all season sort of the unsung hero you don't really talk about him but I think that's again sort of what you want from a from your defenders and sometimes your midfielders when they're so consistent so well tactically drilled physically impressive um you know technically as well on the ball he was overlapping Saki he was underlapping he was always an option Mm -hmm. on the inside on the outside I thought his variation of 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 runs and and just this general play was 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 brilliant and I thought again he dealt with everything that was asked for him from him really really well and 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 just on you know the other defenders I thought Zinchenko was you know he was good on the ball I, I don't think he had his his most outstanding sort of uh, you know eye catching game and and Gabriel you know obviously conceded the penalty but I thought after that he actually responded really well to it I thought he was confident he was he was aggressive um, he dealt with Harry Kane really well as he did last season so I think. In defence, uh, and and not to mention Aaron Ramsdale as well. I think he made a couple of really good saves. He was shot throughout, off his line mm. quickly, um, and then Thomas Partey in front of him, uh, in front of that back four and, and goalkeeper, I thought was was excellent. I thought he he played the game almost in second gear, as 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 people have mentioned. Um, you know, he didn't maybe even look a hundred percent fit, but he was definitely at the races. And I think it was great that we. We, we clearly have learnt that he probably needs to come off after about 70 minutes um, because, you know, athletically, he's maybe not, you know, got the mm. the endurance and stamina that that maybe we we envisioned him having or, or sort of the profile of the player, uh, his, his sort of, you know, physique would would have us anticipate. But I thought he was brilliant too throughout the game. Um, and uh, yeah, was there anyone else that sort of stood out for you? I, I think everyone was brilliant. I think Martinelli had an had an incredible game. I mean, got the assist for Xhaka's goal, but, but beyond that, he just ran their defence into the ground. And, and and I think I don't think there's a club in world football that wouldn't have him as part of their squad. I would I would say he's you know verging on now a world class talent because what he brings off the ball on the ball, he can come inside, he goes outside, he's so clever, he can finish with his head score from range, can assist, and the the combination play now and the relationship he's developed with Gabriel Jesus is is really, really um promising and, and, and benefits us massively. But everyone had a good game. You mentioned Aaron Ramsdale, he made a very good save at nil nil from Richarlison, which I think we all thought was it offside. Have been outside, but if, I think I don't think it would have been if you watched the re- I watched one replay and I'm pretty sure Ben White 
at the far end was was keeping them on. Yeah, maybe. I thought I thought Zinchenko played very well. It was nice to have him back. I thought he, when we when he scored when we scored it was either the second or the third. He went absolutely nuts. Fell to his on, knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the third guy he went to his knees. Yeah, starts pounding the ground. I mean, and and that's the characters we now we now have a squad of of winners or at least you know winners within the squad. I think the one player for me that had a bit of a quiet game, not an off game, but just was a bit more quieter. The normal was was Erdegaard in that sort of right right central position, and he was still very good on the ball and he kept things ticking over, but wasn't he didn't have his stamp on the game as he does sometimes, and I think that was in part to do with the fact that Spurs were just so congested through the middle and they you know Hoiberg was always on him or Dyer was or, or Longley were stepping out of centre back to close him down, and they made sure that you know anything closer than 40, 30 yards from their goal, he wasn't given the time to create and to get his head up and play, you know, those sort of defence splitting passes that he can play. But um but yeah, everyone everyone played brilliantly. I I, I like the, as you mentioned, the rotation with our subs. I thought actually, you know, we've criticized him in the past for his substitutions and the timing of them, but Arteta got them pretty uh pretty spot on this game especially taking off party i think giving also just giving the players who really should be involved like from mm. a quality perspective tommy asu i don't think is any worse Tierney's no worse than the players that are starting for us right now mm. in ketia maybe there is a quality drop off but there isn't uh, a drop off in terms of um ambition and sort of mental ability let's say between him and Gabriel Jesus, Fabio Vieira, I think we can tell is technically going to be, if not already, is a very, very high quality player. Same with Sambi Lukonga. So that these players aren't bringing the the floor of the squad down technically by bringing them on. And so actually in a win like Saturday's, which is so monumental and so um, sort of brings brings everyone together, so conducive to squad harmony, it's good that actually those players yeah. are involved because then they can actually be like, well, I played my part because in the 87th minute, I, I tackled Kane on the halfway line or I made that interception and they can go home and they they have that buy-in, which if they just sat on the bench and we, let's say, brought on Rob Holding in 89 minute, on the 89th minute to see out the game and maybe in Ketia as well, they then feel a bit... Um, not ostracized from the win, but but not as not as enfranchised, and um, and so I think that from a from a squad building and from a harm from a team harmony standpoint was uh, was really promising. Yeah, definitely. Just on on Martin Odegaard, I think you know a couple of my Arsenal friends were saying to me that they didn't think he had the best game, especially in the first half when Spurs were playing quite well. I think you know he 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 was been he was having the ball played into him. And he, you know, he wasn't keeping it necessarily as tight as he normally would. Whether that was because of the the positions that he was receiving the ball, I, you know, I don't know. But he was definitely a bit quieter. But I did think that, you know, throughout the game, he he did grow into it. Even the things that he was doing well, I think, you know, he, it, he there, there were signs that he was maybe getting back to his level because obviously he's had the injury and, mm. and he was away international duty and he always takes a bit of time to sort of get back to his level. But I thought there were definitely promising signs. And yeah, Gabriel Jesus, of course, was was fantastic again, set the tone. Um, his his feet 
and dribbling are just I, I really didn't realize or know how good he was at all of that I mean I, I obviously saw bits of a fair bit of him at City but his dribbling capacity and and how tight he keeps it with his feet and 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 the speed of which his feet can move taking on players is 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 so refreshing to see mm. um, because we haven't had a kind of forward like that I mean probably since Alexis Sanchez really um but look we prevailed our style of play prevailed against you know a, a, a polar opposite style of play with with Spurs and Antonio Conte I think that's really really encouraging um to see at this stage of the season especially with you know us at the top of the league and Spurs not far behind mm. and what happened last season so I think it was a really good sort of benchmark performance and result having said that you know it's not it doesn't feel as if you know it's a kind of it was obviously really important to win but it wasn't sort of be all and end all crucial season defining victory just because Mm -hmm. we're playing so well and everything's kind of going in the right direction anyway that that this was just part of that it was part of the 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 series of positive results and performances and, and dominant displays and so I think let's just add that to the list it doesn't obviously let's let's bask in it and celebrate it but at the same time you know they weren't great it was it was great to beat them and stuff but you know let's move on to let's move on to the Liverpool game because that is also you know huge in terms of measuring where this team are because you know as we said in the preview podcast the home team tends to win the North London derby and and as nice as it is to beat Spurs I think everyone was sort of in a strange way, kind of anticipating it just because that's normally what happens and because <laughs> we had to beat them because that's what happens with the home team at, at the North London derby. But let's look ahead then. Um, Thursday night, Europa League, Bodo Glimpt, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, mm. And I expect to see a heavily rotated side, uh, almost fully rotated if possible. I mean, let's let's go through it. I mean, Matt Turner will play in goal. I think Cedric Suarez has an outside chance of making it back fit mm-hmm. for that game. And then Rob Holding will play probably Tommy Yasu maybe at left centre back if if Cedric's fit. Um, yeah, I would I would like to see that. Yeah, and then, and then Tierney, Tierney. And then you've got Laconga, Vieira, probably Xhaka plays unless you play someone like Matt Smith, but mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't envision that happening. And then Nketia, Marquinhos, and probably Reese Nelson in from yeah. the start. Um, yeah. Which I'd be fine with because it's a home game. I mean, it's a bring bring your 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 big guns on the bench at least most of them. Um, but I think that would be more than enough to sort of have a competitive side out for that game. I mean, we saw with Zurich with a with an almost completely rotated side that we were still, you know, the, the our team was identifiable by the way in which we were playing and dominating. So I I hope that's the same on Thursday. Um, do you have any thoughts on the Europa League game just before we discuss uh, the Liverpool game and and finish up for today? Uh, no, no, I, I agree with you. It would be interesting to, or not even interesting, it would just be nice to see a bit of rotation. I think because it's a home game, there's no reason why we shouldn't have the bench um, sort of not stocked with, with our Premier League 11, but let's say have a, you know, have one, uh, two or three of them on the bench along with some academy players. I think it'll be good for for Reece Nelson to get his chance. Cedric obviously needs minutes, hasn't actually played yet this season. Tommy Asu 
off from the start. It'd be good to see him play at left centre back for us because he plays there for Japan and he should, mm. um, and he is a viable option there for us should we need him. And so any sort of club experience you can have in that position would be good. But for me, it's, it's just about rotation. Get get the three points that we we need and will hopefully get in the group and and then move on to Saturday where we have a much tougher. Uh, test. I can't. I can't remember the last time we beat Liverpool in the league. Can you? Um, I think the last time we beat Liverpool in the league was actually a few years. It was the COVID season when they'd won the league and we yes. got absolutely oh, battered. Course, yeah. Reece, Reece Nelson scored. Um, I don't know how we managed to win that game. Yeah, it was, it was a freak result. Um, oh my God, yeah. But yeah, let's let's hope Sunday's result is similar, but performance slightly different. Mm. Um, just on the just before we get onto that last thing, I think playing Tommy Asu at left centre-back actually would be quite prudent. Obviously, a Cedric's fit, just because you'd actually probably say that maybe he is, you know, maybe the most suited to come in if, you know, God forbid, Gabriel was injured or suspended. I mean, obviously, you could play Saliba or, or White there, but I think they're they're both quite predominantly sort of right-footed centre-backs, play on the right side or in the centre. And so maybe Tommy Asu is, you know, next in line for that left centre-back mm. role, which is something that maybe we'll see um you know develop over the season but yeah Sunday Liverpool as things stand I mean it's crazy they're 11 points behind us um and it could be 14 if we were to win not to mm. sort of uh uh pre and uh pre-determine anything um as you say we haven't beat we haven't well we beat them a few years ago but we haven't played sort of convincingly against them it hasn't been a fair contest Mm-hmm. at least for a whole 90 minutes we put in 45 minutes here and there I think the home game last season we were very good in the first half just didn't score I think Erdegaard had a really good chance saved by Allison, mm-hmm. and then they just put us to the sword Diego Jota always seems to score against us mm-hmm. but you know this time is different they're not in very good form um, they look very vulnerable uh, defensively we've got Gabriel Jesus who always I seem to recall plays really well against them, or at least he did for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Um, Saliba maybe to deal with, you know, their their sort of their threat in behind and and attacking players. Perhaps we're better suited to that. Um, it would, it, I think it's overdue. I think you know, last season we got some good results, but I think this season, as well as being more consistent throughout throughout the whole season, you know, we need to be a, a Liverpool or a Manchester City this season. I think it, that time has come. So I think mm-hmm. it will be. Very interesting to see if that happens, and you know, if we do do that, then sort of what, you know, what 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 people's expectations are sort of moulding into, because, you know, we we see off Liverpool, then then who knows where the sort of level of this team is, um, but yeah, are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I I'm never looking forward to any of these games, as no. as you you probably can can expect by now but yeah I agree with you we it's about time that we gave them a proper performance for 90 minutes we, we've done it more recently with City and that's despite the fact that we haven't beaten City for a but long even, time in even that it wasn't a full I mean it was a full 90 minutes but you know that that we had a had the red card yeah all of that rubbish but so it's time to just no excuses we're at home we've got brilliant atmosphere everyone's mm-hmm. playing well you know, let's properly show them where we are at. You know. Yeah. No, I think we should, and we should be. They're they're not in the best place, and yeah, they won yesterday, but we should really be taking advantage of their weaknesses. We've got now. I I don't like to call it mature squad because they're all so young, but they've now yeah they've either all played together for the best part of 
a year and a half. Or the additions of Barcelona, but sort of Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus, they've, they've won four Premier League titles. They've won FA Cups. They've won Carabao Cups. They've played in Champions League finals. They've been on Cup runs, Champions League mm-hmm. runs. They've been there. They've beaten Liverpool. In, they've beaten Liverpool. And they've also been in the tightest of title races, you know, mm. by a point, 97, 98 points, 93, 94 points last season that they they know what it takes in these games when the margins will be really fine to, to get it over the line and to and, and to get their side of victory. So I'm yeah, I'm not confident, but I'm I'm actually less um less sort of negative than I was going into the North London Derby just because I could see how if executed correctly, Conte's game plan would really quite obviously counteract our our sort of game plan like we're we're a team that comes on to an opposition we dominate play what what will expose us counter-attacks like united were able to do whereas Klopp's team they're not a counter-attacking team they'll look to they'll look to dominate the ball we've not played against a team yet that actually looked to have more possession than us so it'll be interesting to um see how we cope with that from a tactical setup because we might not be able to um, pin back an opposition when they've got press-resistant midfielders such as Thiago, who can, with one pass, just completely change the whole um, tempo and direction of a phase of play. Same with Trent Alexander-Arnold. So it will be a new test for us, But and I think the home crowd and being home will play a substantial role in it. We should hopefully be able to at least come away without defeat. And um, and I'm I'm looking forward to it as I am with every game. I'm just looking forward to seeing us play and looking forward to see what we come up with because at the moment we're uh, performing really well. Yeah, let's start well. Let's let's give the crowd something to get behind as we always have been doing recently, and yeah, just put in a really good performance that's consistent throughout the ninety minutes, and then we'll see what happens. Right. Let's leave it there for today, Johnny. It's been a pleasure catching up. Um, we'll speak to you soon, probably next week, maybe to digest all things Europa League and Liverpool. Uh, we'll have more analysis um, with plenty more football to come. Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah, I am looking forward to it, <laughs> you know, for better or for worse. Exactly. You can find Johnny on Twitter at Johnny Rosen one Football Transfer News on Facebook and Football Transfer News underscore official on Instagram. Quick reminder that you can find every episode of That Sums It All Up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at That Sums It All Up and on Instagram at That Sums It All Up Pod. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care and we'll be back soon. Until next time, take it easy. Goodbye. It's Adams, put through my ball.